I want to talk to you today about what every one of you in this room were created for. I want to talk to you about what you really want. I may not know you, but I know the one who created you and you want this more than anything else. And I'm convinced that many of you, like me, have a gross misconception of what it is that you really want. You know, one of the things that I enjoy is learning new things. Anybody else like to learn new things? I try to break that you can't teach an old bald dog new tricks kind of thing. And uh, over the past, I don't know, 10 months or so of my life, my wife, Mike, and I, especially me, I've spent more time away from my house than I have at my house. I've been flying around the country, staying in hotels and sharing the message of this house with lots of folks in lots of places. And I've never traveled like that before. And so I needed to learn how to travel in the best way possible. And you know, man, most of the stuff we learn, how do we learn? Pain, right? Like for instance, you guys want my car, you can have my car. If you want my dog, Well, you can have Howard. You can't have Walter, but you can have Howard because he's a mess. But you can't have this because this is my entire life when I travel. And I I have become unashamedly OCD because everything's got a place and it needs to be in that place. I need to know it's there so I can get through TSA, otherwise known as hell on earth, get to my flight, and I make sure I have everything I need when I Travel, and I'm a gadget person. Anybody else a gadget person? Um, Y'all wanna know the coolest travel gadget I've ever found? It's this right here, look. This is cooler than the underside of your pillow because it folds up. It folds up and you can charge your watch, you can charge your headphones, and you can charge your phone all at one time. Fold it up, I I put a little pocket of that backpack. It's in the left-hand pocket every time The crazy thing about it is, you see that cord at the top? You need that thing for this deal to work. It's crazy. Like you actually have to plug it into the wall. And I got to Knoxville, Tennessee. I was dead dog tired. We'd been in the studio all day filming some stuff. I'd been working with some church leaders. I had a flight the next morning at 5.20 a.m. out of Knoxville because I'm trying to get back to Mississippi and nothing goes to Mississippi. And 5.20, I've been up an hour, who cares? I'm old. And uh, I get to the hotel, and I open the same pocket where I always pick up my little gadget, and the cord's not there. Now, the thing is, you sitting here on Sunday morning, Argyle Texas, you go, that's no big deal. Well, I'll tell you something. If it's the only way you communicate with your family, if it's the only alarm clock, because Micah, she's... My CFO, she, she would put me in a Motel 7 or 8. I mean, it's like there's no alarm clock that's working. I got to get up the next morning. I ain't got no confidence in that dude that was sitting behind the counter that he's actually going to call my room at the right time. And I'm hungry, and it's the middle of nowhere, and I need some Uber Eats. I don't even have a car. I got to Uber Eat it, and they got to Uber Drive it the next morning. And I'm out of juice. 
Anybody have an early morning and it's like a really early deal, so you keep waking up thinking you're going to be late? Anybody besides me? I'm up every 30 minutes, and every time I wake up, like, I'm getting mad at somebody. And I wake up and I went, those grandkids, they messing in my bag. Probably Esther because she's so cute. Micah and her mama let her do whatever she wants and keep her out of my stuff. And then I thought, you know what? If Micah would not mess with my stuff. And I'm getting angry and angry and angry. I get to the airport the next day. I'm deader than the door now. My phone, everything I got. Look, look what I bought. I had to buy, look at that cord. Y'all see this? What color is this? Ain't no man want no pink cord. And it was $67 at the airport. That's three times what that thing costs. And I'm getting angry and I get back home and I've been married 37 years, so I'm smarter than to yell at my wife about that cord yet. I'm building a case. Come on, somebody. Some of you guys need to build a case. And I open up this pocket. Anybody know what's in there? Anybody got a guess what's in this pocket right here? The cord's right in there. Now, I don't tell you that story because you can go, what a dumb old man, because it's coming your way if you're laughing at me. But, uh, <laughs> hey, look at me, everybody. Sometimes the thing you, you need the most, you can't find it because you're looking in the wrong place. Let me say that again. Some of you can't find what you need the most because you're looking in the wrong place. If you've ever been in a church, you know the words of Jesus and this great conflict that he sets up when he says that you have an enemy. He's a thief, right? And he's come to do what? The thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your peace. And he wants to suck your soul dry. That's what he's doing. Don't mistake what's happening to you to what the devil's trying to do in you. Like, the devil don't care about your car. Well, pastor, my, the devil made my car break down. No, he didn't. The, the fight is in how you react to your car breaking down. He ain't got nothing to do with your car. He just wants to suck your soul dry. And Jesus said, but I have come to give life, life to the full, abundant life. You were designed for an abundant life. But you have to know what you're looking for. Now we're gonna come back to this in a moment, but Jesus, John's gospel declares himself to be the bread of life, which doesn't mean much to us. Why? Because we go to the grocery store. I went to the grocery store yesterday, didn't I, baby? I went to the grocery store for us. I'm heroic like that. and. Um, <laughs> She said, get some bread, because we've been out of town. I walked down that bread aisle. You got Wonder Bread at one end that ain't bread, and you got something made out of, like, nuts and flaxseed that I guarantee ain't bread at the other end, and, like, 150 kinds in between. Right? I mean, bread's no big deal to us. But when Jesus said, I am bread, you need to understand how poignant that was to people who were steeped in Jewish tradition. Bread is connected to so many significant events in the Bible. It is, it symbolizes God's provision 
God's care and God's faithfulness. We see it in Genesis 3, when God says to Adam that you're going to have to till the ground, what he's saying is you're gonna have to make your own bread. Like you're gonna have to till ground to grow wheat and barley to make your own bread. And you start seeing it show up in the most significant of places. Abraham takes his son Lot to the top of the mountain. Everybody remember that? And he pulls back the knife to take his life. And God says, no, because uh, you're willing to give me anything. I'm not going to have you kill your son. Instead, he made a, a bread offering. Because it was an adequate sacrifice for Abraham. Ruth, when she goes to Boaz, she brings bread as a symbol of her care and concern for her. The Feast of the Tabernacles, the Feast of the Trumpets, they all have different kinds of bread involved. But the highlight of the Jewish faith was bread made from manna. I've been asked so many times, what does manna look like? It doesn't, manna looks like a coriander seed. It, looked, it fell from heaven, it looked like snowflakes. It wasn't the manna, it was the bread that they made from manna. They made it, literally, it looked like this. The Israelites have begun to wander in the wilderness. God is, God is always more concerned about what he's doing in you than where you're headed. And before he can take them into the promised land, he's got to get Egypt out of their hearts. And you, you read the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, and he parts the Red Sea and they walk through and the army's defeated. And two days later, they're going, hey, send us back home because we ain't got nothing to eat. Because I know none of us would ever do that. God's faithful and two days later, we've got a challenge. And so we forgot what God did two days ago, but that's what they did. And uh, just, just let us go back to Egypt because sometimes the pain of the life you're living before is easier to go back to than to step into the unknown of the promised land. It's like a shoe that doesn't fit anymore. It hurts your foot, but it's a familiar shoe, so you keep putting it on. Am I talking to anybody? And so God says, you know what? As a God of grace and mercy, I'm going to, Psalmist says in Psalm 78, like it rained from heaven and they made bread. And they, when I was a kid in Sunday school, I loved it because the story was they could gather enough for one day, but if they got extra, it was full of worms, which I thought was awesome as a little boy. But hang on, there's something about, hey, if you take more than today, it's going to rot. It's going to rot your soul. And for 40 years, Right on time, every day they got up and there was bread. And this is what is celebrated at the Passover feast. Like the center point is the bread. It showed God's care, concern. And Jesus comes along and he says, I am your bread. But what kind of bread is he?
I know so many people who believe that the abundant life that Jesus promised is about more. More something. More money. More positive doctor reports. More uh, health in your relationships. Uh, more compensation at your job. More recognition from your peers. Come on, man, we live in America. I mean, more is better. Until you meet people who have more than you will ever have. And is there any joy that they've got that you don't have? No. In fact, studies show us that the lack of contentment and peace in people in the upper income success brackets there's a direct correlation between their lack of enjoyment of life. So don't you dare fall for the lie that your life would be abundant. It would be full if you just had more. If I just had more time. Get these kids out of my house, boy, I'm gonna have some time. You know? Hit those six numbers on Wednesday night and win that lotto, I'm gonna give some to God, then I'm gonna have, I'm, I'm, tell you I'm, I'm full of options now. My life is gonna be full. What does it profit a man to gain everything and not experience what God called life to the full? Our proverb from today comes out of Proverbs chapter 30. It's the most un-American proverb I could find. If you guys put it up on the screen, it says this. It says, hey, here's two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Now look at this. Give me neither poverty or riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? I don't need no Lord. I got everything I need. Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Hey, God, here's wisdom. God, here's the wisdom of Proverbs 30. That you will never find abundant life in more. Be careful what you ask for. You might get it. He says, I don't, I don't want to have so much that I don't need anything from God. And I don't want to have so little and compare myself to what you have to what I don't have because I might take what you have to feel better about myself. Just give me my daily bread. And the disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, Lord, teach us how to pray. You remember this? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and may your will be done in Argyle, Texas, in my life like it's being done in heaven. And the first request, give us this day, our daily bread. You know, one of the things is, uh, if more isn't what it is, then what is it? One of the things that I'm spending a huge amount of my time doing is traveling to churches around the country. And in fact, I think we're doing it here when April, I think is somewhere in April, we're gonna do what we've been doing to other churches here. It's called Gobi School. It's a two-hour workshop that we lead teaching parents practical tools to help their kids who are battling 
anxiety, depression, or feeling overwhelmed by life, how to connect their kids practically to God's power in the middle of those issues. Uh, So I'm talking to parents all the time about their greatest concern. You know what the number one concern of dads that I talk to are? I'm talking about dads. Talk to a dad on a podcast two days ago, three days ago, and I talked to five of them at the last Gobi event. The greatest concern of dads is I think I messed my kid up. I mean, dads in here are worried about messing their kids up. Let me tell you, thank you for your honesty. All you guys back there, we got a class for y'all later. But um, (laughs) honestly, man, when your kids are doing well, you don't get to take the credit. You don't. God did it. And when you make a mistake, you can't shoulder the blame. And I watched dads who were so drained of the power of a moment to father their children because they're being sucked dry by regret from mistakes they've made in the past. There has never been a perfect parent walk on this planet. And neither are you. And a lot of times the regret from our past is what... keeps us from experiencing this life to the full in this moment. And when I talk to moms, you know what moms tell me? They're so concerned about the future for their kids. What kind of world is my kids going to grow up in? There's cancel culture and there's uh, political division. And, you know, one lady said, Pastor, you know, inflation is getting so I don't know how my kids are going to afford to live on his own. You think God's pace in heaven worried about inflation? Like, that's not high on his priority list. And I I say to dads and I say to moms, don't let fear of what could be or regret about what has happened suck the life out of you to be everything you've been called to be today. You will never find the life Jesus promised in the future or in the past. Well, how do you know that, Toby? Because he's daily bread. I like to illustrate it like this. Be careful down there, brother. You know how my illustrations go. Where's that bucket? I had a bucket to put in front of this thing. Is it here? Well, I can't bend over, come get it. Yeah, just we're gonna try to see if this works. So, Jesus says, I'm bread, and what is it? I'm living what? And what what does John tell us living water is? It's God's spirit. What is Jesus doing in your life? He's filling you. That's the work of Jesus. But here's the problem. You start spending your nights worried about your past. You spend all of your time concerned about the future. And you're leaking out more than he's putting in. And you get frustrated with God thinking the Bible doesn't work for you. That this abundant life is a concept you talk about in church. But it's not your reality. And I want to tell you what happens. 
you leak, you leak, you leak, you get so consumed there that what happens, you effectively block what God has promised you in the work of the Spirit. And you look up one day, and here's you look at me, everybody. You're living half full lives, and you have convinced yourself that's as good as it's ever going to be. Let me tell you what the abundant life is. Life to the fullest. It is the, it is the ridiculous notion that God is enough for today, and that's enough for you. It's letting Jesus be what he said he would be, which is bread for today. I mean, come on, everybody. The, 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 in my opinion, the most second most powerful movement since the resurrection of Jesus was birth. The, the first is the local church. This was birthed out of local church. It's called Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, they've got steps, but what is it built on? One day at a time. How would your life be different if you bought in to the un-American consumer mentality, difficult to live in, but possible in the person of the spirit that lives in you? The notion that God will give you everything you need for today, and that's enough for you. I just don't know how I'm going to make it another week. I don't either, but I know how you're going to make it today. Manna. He's going to be enough for today. And I wonder how that might change everything about your world. I wonder how many of you look at your mate, if you're married, in ways you would never admit, like the there's just a way you want your mate to respond or to treat or to connect to you. And as soon as they start doing that, then your marriage is going to be full of abundance. I wonder how that relationship would change if you just thought God was going to give you enough strength for today, to love today. And you're going to worry about Jesus doing for you and let him or her worry about Jesus and what can do for them. I wonder how that might change your life. I mean, am I... Does this make sense to anybody other than me? I wonder how it'd be with your kids, Jess. Like you, like you cannot be a perfect mom forever, but you can today. Like today, you can be caring and compassionate and patient. I know your kids, they're gonna wear you down and you're gonna miss it every now and then. But guess what? There's grace for you. And now all you have to do is ask Jesus to give it to you today. I wonder how your work life, like instead of just being something you had to do, it, you could be fulfilled because God gave you what you needed for today to do whatever your hand finds to do. You're working it with all your heart because you're not working for that guy. You're working for God. And you could be satisfied today. Like that's abundant life that changes everything. Even when nothing changes. Hey, look at me, everybody. I know what I'm talking about. 30 years battling anxiety and panic disorder. 
I mean, I'm in a season where I win more than I lose, but I don't always win. And when those days come up, I have to focus myself on the ridiculous notion that his promise is he's going to give me enough for that day. And before you know it, you start putting days together. Because he was faithful on that day, you see he's going to be faithful on this day. I don't know how many days it took before those guys opened those tents in the wilderness, wondering where their manna was still going to be there or not. But when they did, they got set free. When they opened the tent in anticipation of God's provision for the day, instead of worried about whether he was going to provide or not, everything in their lives began to shift. And that's not just a good idea. That's God's heart for you. (laughs) That's a real possibility for you. There's lots of things you cannot control. Lots. But you get to decide whether or not he's enough for today. I told Josiah in the first service, said, you always got these cool next steps. You know, I, I don't have a cool next step. I'll just tell you what my step always is. I just grab a pen. Oh, some of you think they're going to think it's silly, but I'll just grab a pen. On hard days. And just write that. Today, when the day gets hard, I just look at it. Remember, he prom- I, I'm, I have a man of mindset. Today's enough. He's gonna give me enough for today. Sometimes I put on a sticker on my bathroom mirror. I put in my car. Most of the time, I just write on my hand. It's the word today to remind me. There's lots of things I don't get about God, but I, I do know this: He will give me enough for today because He is daily bread. Is that enough for you? Could it be enough for you? So they gather around this table for this Passover feast. And Jesus does what these, ki- these guys have done since they were kids. This is not new, right? The Passover feast is a rhythm. They're like some of your kids probably just, they probably weren't even paying that much attention when it started because they knew what was happening next. Until Jesus picked up the bread and said, hey, guys, look at me. This isn't a lamb anymore. This is my body. It's it's broken for you. And this is how every rabbi did it. You break it, you lift it to heaven, you ask God to bless it. And you hand it. And every time he said you eat it, you remember, I'm enough for today. And I know that you are going to fight regrets about your future. Peter had no idea yet. But he said, this, this wine, this is my blood. And it is going to give you the ability to not give out your energy, waste your energy being regretful about the past. But you can trust me for today. 
And they had no idea that before any of them could imagine that Jesus would be face first in the dirt in the Garden of Gethsemane. And as Christians, we like to like focus on the deity because the humanity makes us uncomfortable. But the power of that humanity or the deity is he was in every way man. And he's face first in the dirt asking God to not let something happen. Any of you ever been there? Hey, Sadden, I told all you men, look up at me. He was hurting so bad, he called in his best friends. I think if the son of God needed other men, maybe you do too. Maybe doing it alone ain't the best way to do it. But he says, God, please don't make me do it. Please don't make me do it. We skip to the not my will, but yours, because it makes us feel better to think about God in every way, man, face first, not wanting to face something. But that's all of us at some point, isn't it? And they kill him on a cross. And the pain is so intense on the cross. Don't over-theologize. I can't say that word, it. It hurt so bad he thought God had left him. Have you ever been there? My God, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God hadn't forsaken him. It just felt like it. And when they took him down the next day, and when he was raised from the dead, three days later, his disciples had no idea that he was gonna leave them behind and they were gonna be living in an uncertain future like they could have never dreamed. And they huddle in an upper room. And what do they do? They break bread. They drink wine and they remember that we're gonna get through this one day at a time that it is possible to not just survive, but to thrive when the Spirit helps you begin to develop a manna mindset. See, the gospel is not just about you going to heaven one day. It's about heaven getting in you right now. So I thought today we'd take communion together. And here's the thing. Nobody knows I'm about to do this. I didn't do it earlier, but I watched so many of you come in. And if you didn't get one of those little uh, cup things, just raise your hand and somebody will bring you one. Baby, did you get one? Could you hand it to Josiah? I want you to come up here with me. I want it. I want what I'd like to, I love so many of these people in this room. I'd like to like take one by one and say something to them, but I can't, so I pick you. You got two? We're gonna sit down because you tower over me. It's a little intimidating. Hey man, um, I haven't said anything about this to you because I didn't want to do this. But uh, one year ago today, I walked off this stage as the lead pastor of Cross Rivers Community Church and you stepped on as the lead pastor one year ago. And uh, these people don't know, but I know how scared you were and still are at times. And I know how inadequate you feel 
I know how hard it is to love this family as you lead your family. I know how hard it's been for Alex at times. I mean, there's joy in it, but I'm just saying we know it's hard, right? And uh, look at what God's done in a year. And he did it for you one day at a time. I'm so proud of the Jesus in you, man. And at year 10, you probably won't let me sit here anymore because you'll figure out what I'm doing. But when you just start putting one day at a time together, you have to be the best father and the best husband and the best pastor you can today. That's enough. So man, I'm, I'm believing for you today as we take this little cracker, as we drink this cup, that Christ in you is your hope of glory, man. You good man, Josiah Anthony. You have everything you need to be everything he's called you to be. Can I pray for these people? So Lord, I just thank you in Jesus' name that uh, you are so faithful to us, that you are bread, man, you're daily bread, you're man, I, I need you. I can't, I can't live without you sustaining me and empowering me. And I pray, Father, that what I just said to Joe might be prophetic into every voice in this room because we are hungry, man. We're hungry for you. And uh, we do not want to settle for less than an abundant life. You're the air that we breathe. You're the breath in our lungs. You are daily bread and we love you. We thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.